This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Heineman. And I'm Kelly King. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that from time to time, we provide full teaching sessions for some of our favorite Bible studies right here on the Mark Podcast. We're kicking off a new study. Yes, and for the next seven weeks, we're going to do Jackie Hill Perry's Jude Bible Study together. We'll release the audio of one teaching session per week here on the Mark Podcast. Jude is Jackie's Bible study published with LifeWay. And she has graciously granted us permission to play the audio here. Please note that this is copyrighted material, so we ask that you not reproduce it. Before we dive in, know that the teachings in these sessions expand on the work that you'll do in the Bible study book. For the full impact of the study, you'll want to get the Bible study workbook, and you can purchase the book at lifeway.com forward slash Jude. We have a sample session there if you want to use it while you wait for your book to come in the mail. These audio teachings will be available for a limited time due to copyright restrictions. We'll leave the audio up until August 31st. We hope that gives you time to get the book and study along with us. Over seven sessions, Jackie will lead you through the book of Jude. You're going to dive into themes of being called, loved, and kept, and learn how to point others to Jesus in grace and truth. Now here's Jackie Hill Perry. In this text, Jude is transitioning from the greeting of his letter into the body of his letter. In this portion, he is about to tell us the whole point, the reason why he's writing what he's writing. He's about to tell them what he wants them to hear. He says it in verse three, he says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So before Jude sat down and put pen to parchment, he had every intention on writing about their common salvation or the salvation that they all shared, the salvation that was made available to everybody. He was going to write about something that was a good thing. Who don't want to read about salvation and all of its implications? We do it all the time. But at some point, Jude gets wind of something serious happening among his recipients that demands their attention. So because of that, he has to change directions. He goes from writing what he was eager to write to writing what was necessary to write. I think there's something to be said about being able to discern or having the wisdom to know the difference between what it is that you want to say and what you need to say. Again, writing about their common salvation was a good and biblical thing. Talking about the gospel and how Jesus has reconciled sinners back to the Father is a good and biblical thing. But Jude is being compelled to write something different because there is something happening among them that they must pay attention to. This letter is being written out of compulsion. There is a distress, an unease inside of Jude that will not let up until he gets this out. Jude begins this difficult 
and confrontational letter by addressing them as beloved. He has already told them in verse one that they were beloved, meaning that they were loved by God the Father. That was their state, that was their position. But now he says that they are also beloved. That is what they are, that is who they are. He is showing that the same way in which the Father loves them, he loves them too. And perhaps that's what leading, that is what leading him or motivating him to write this letter is because he loves them just as much as God does. Jude's letter is a hard letter. Nothing he is about to say is easy, but he's going to say it because he loves God, he loves the truth, and he loves them enough to do the necessary thing, even if it isn't the easy thing. He says in verse three that he is appealing to them to contend for the faith. That is the main point of this letter. Everything hinges on those four words. Contend means to struggle. The imagery that Jude is trying to communicate is of two men wrestling in the Greek games. This language would have been familiar to Jude's recipients. They would have seen or heard of men contending in the Olympic games before because that was their context. But these men, these men that they would have seen fighting, struggling, quarreling, they would have been contending for a wreath. Jude doesn't want that to be the prize that Jude's recipients are to seek. They are to contend for the faith. When you heard the faith or the word the faith, you might have thought your faith in God. By grace through faith, you are saved. Uh, faith without works is dead. But this is not the faith Jude is referencing. He is not talking about a subjective experience of placing your faith in God. He is talking about an objective body of truth. The faith is the doctrines and scripture that you have placed your faith in. That God created the heavens and the earth that God is triune, that God created man and man sinned against God, that Jesus was born of a virgin, that Jesus was sinless, that his death has purchased salvation for all, that he rose from the dead, that men and women are saved by grace through faith alone, and that there is no person that can come to the Father except through Jesus. These doctrines, among many others, are a part of what make up the faith. So Jude is saying that it is a necessity that you fight for this, that you struggle, that you wrestle to defend these truths. I can't speak for you, but when I think of contending for the faith, my first thought of, of the people that do it real bad, you know, that stand outside with picket signs and stuff. <laughs> Those people who in the name of faith or contending for the faith display hatred, display arrogance, display cynicism, display impatience, display a kind of callousness that actually undercuts the message that they are trying to speak. It might be that these people have contended for the faith wrong because they have taken the imagery of contending and divorced it from the command to love. Jude has identified his recipients as people who are loved and he has prayed that they would have love multiplied to them. So when he tells them to contend for the faith Love is to be assumed as being an active participant in how they do it. Something else I think worth considering is remembering who it is that Jude is telling to contend. In Jude's greeting, he said that he was writing to Christians who have been loved, who are called, and who are kept. He didn't say he was writing to elders. He didn't say he was writing to pastors. He uses really general terms that describe every Christian with any gift and any personality type. 
which tells me that contending for the faith is a necessary thing even if you're not a leader of a church. Contending for the faith is just not for authors of books. Contending for the faith is not the call just for extroverted, for extroverted people. Contending for the faith is not just for gifted communicators. Contending for the faith is not something you have to go to seminary to do. Contending for the faith is for every Christian who has been called, who is being kept, and who was loved. I think that should free you up a little bit to know that whoever or however God has made you, whether you are extroverted or introverted, seminary grad or GED, stay-at-home wife or single mother, whoever you are and however you are, you are called to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The effectiveness of your contending surely will be dependent on your time in the scriptures, your learning and studying this faith that you put your faith in, which Jude will emphasize once we get to verse 20. But that's not to say that God can't use you to contend with whatever matter or knowledge that you already have. So don't allow your images of contending or your insecurities with contending keep you from contending. In verse four, we find out what Jude has become aware of that led him, led him to write this letter. He says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. According to Jude, there are some men that have crept into the mix. False teachers are always subtle. They don't come into churches and be like, hey, y'all, I'm a liar. Listen, <laughs> they sneak in, they creep in and they do it so well that some Christians don't notice them. That explains why there is a need for this condemnation or this conversation. Jude has to give them eyes to see so that they would know why they need to contend. Jude says that these people, that there are certain people whose condemnation has already been written about. God's people have always had to deal with false teachers. And God has always been very clear on the condemnation that awaits them. Jude will talk about this more in five through 16, but now he is just bringing to their attention these people. And he describes their character, the character of these people and the message of these people. What is their character? Their character is that they are ungodly. To be ungodly is to be godless, to have no reverence for God. The, ungodly have no regard, no respect for God. Maybe one of the easiest ways for you to imagine or picture ungodliness is to remember who you were before Jesus got a hold of you. Some of us might have known God was real, might have grew up in church, but we lived with no concern for his glory. We spoke like he didn't create our tongues. We loved ourselves more than we loved him and neighbor. We esteemed our rights over and above submission to God's word. We know what ungodliness looks like all too well because we've all lived it. The only reason we are no longer labeled as such is because of Romans 5, 6, which says, for while we will still weak at the right time, Christ died for who? For the ungodly. These people who have crept into the church are an ungodly bunch. And because they are irreverent towards God, they are naturally manipulative with his word. It makes sense that people who don't care about God's glory would find some way to twist his scriptures, especially twisting it in such a way that would allow them to justify their ungodliness. Satan did it 
when he tried to tempt Jesus to test God by jumping off of the temple. And Satan had the audacity to quote from Psalms 91 for the reason why Jesus should sin against God. So why wouldn't people whose lives are devilish at best use God's word in the same way that the devil did? These people are ungodly. And so was their message. Jew says that the content of their message is this, that they are perverting God's grace into sensuality. The grace of God is understood by understanding the gospel. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of this, all God owes us really is judgment. But because of God's love, God was gracious towards us by sending his son Jesus in the flesh to die for sinners so that they can be forgiven of, of all of their sins. The difficulty with grace is that because God gives out his grace freely without any work or any effort on our part, it's easy to presume upon this grace by continuing to sin against God and banking on the fact that he's forgiving, banking on the fact that he's gracious. The problem with that is, is that it's a complete misunderstanding of what grace is. Because those who have been forgiven of their sins have also been empowered towards holiness. Jesus told the adulterous woman, yeah, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. God's grace is not an excuse to sin. God's grace is an invitation into holiness. Titus 2 says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us, teaching us to renounce ungodliness, but these ungodly people who have crept in are teaching the complete opposite. They are teaching that God's grace gives us the freedom to pursue sensuality or depending upon your translation to pursue immorality. You may be thinking, how can that go unnoticed? It's so obviously unbiblical. Well, that kind of teaching is still going unnoticed. Nowadays, if people aren't baking on grace for why they can live ungodly lives, they are surely banking on God's love. They are saying that God's love gives them the freedom to pursue immorality. Now it is God's love that is used as justification for why people can continue to sin against God. That tells me that there is nothing new under the sun. These people that Jude is trying to expose are ungodly people who are perverting the grace of God and they are also denying what the text says, the son of God. One way to think about denial is to think about Peter and how before the crucifixion of Jesus, Peter was asked three times if he knew Jesus, if he was with Jesus, and he denied him. He even cursed too. But this is not the denial that Jude is talking about. Jude is not saying that these people are denying God theologically. They have no issue with God being Jesus or God in the flesh. They have no issue with the deity of Jesus. They have no issue with the omnipotence of Jesus. They tweet the right stuff. They have the right kind of seminary degrees possibly, but the way they are denying Jesus is practically. They are denying Jesus by their living unsubmitted to Jesus. Titus 1.16 says that there are people who profess to know God. They got Instagram pictures with the Bible open, but they deny them, deny him by their works. The way they lived was if God didn't exist, as if God wasn't Lord. You notice earlier the way Jesus referred to, or the way Jude referred to Jesus, he called him master and Lord because that's the reality of who he is, right? But the, to live as if he is not, that is to deny the reality of the personhood of God. These people are sneaking in an ungodly message and it's necessary for God's beloved people to contend against it because a lot is at stake. And what might that be? The truth. Because in your ungodliness, 
God used what to reveal his grace? The truth. The truth found in the scriptures about Jesus. And since then, how has God matured you in holiness? The truth. The truth found in the scriptures about his son. The salvation of some and the maturity of others is threatened when the truth of God's word and God's character is being twisted to mean something that it does not. This is why we must contend, because we want God's word to be understood accurately so that God would be loved faithfully. Jude is about to get real dark because his recipients and these false teachers are about to learn that those who reject and pervert the grace of God will one day meet for a real season and a real moment in time, the judgment of God. Thank you for listening to the Mark Podcast. We'll be releasing all seven teaching sessions of the Jude Bible Study here on the podcast for the next seven weeks. We will leave the audio up until August 31st. Be sure to get a Bible study book, get together with your Bible study friends, or hop on a Zoom call and listen in. If you enjoyed today's teaching sessions, be sure to join us for Jackie's brand new event, Glory, coming to five cities in 2021. And don't miss Jackie's new book, Holier Than Thou, releasing this August. Learn more and find a glory event near you at lifeway.com slash Jackie Hill Perry. If you're loving this Bible study content, please let us know. Tag us at Lifeway Women or use the hashtag Marked Podcast on all your social media. Let us know what you're learning, if you like getting Bible study content this way, or if you have ideas for future episodes. We're so grateful you're listening and want to know how to serve you well. Bye. Bye. Bye.